came across an interesting story this week. Um, this uh, fisherman in Alaska had uh, captured these six giant crabs, and he had sold them to three different aquariums in Europe. And so these aquariums in Europe were controlled by one organization, and so they sent one of their employees, a low-ranking employee, uh, almost intern level, but maybe just above that, out to Alaska to pick up these crabs and escort them back and deliver them to these three aquariums in Europe. And so they sent this guy out there, and he picked up the crabs, and they were in their own little containment deals, and they loaded them on the plane, and he got on the plane. Well, the plane uh, flew to a connecting city and then flew to Paris, and it was going to have to stay overnight in Paris, but they couldn't just leave these crabs, you know, sitting random places in Paris. So uh, he had made a deal with this highfalutin restaurant in the Paris airport that they could store the crabs um, there in uh, a secure place and take care of them there. Well, this low-ranking employee, uh, he was in his low 20s, and he decided uh, he was going to do as little as possible. Um, I know you don't know anybody who's like that in their jobs. Um, and so he just made sure the crabs had a place to stay, but he was, what he's supposed to do is communicate with the entire staff there that these crabs were there and they were going to aquariums. Uh, he was supposed to put signs on all of the containers that were what these crabs were for. Um, well, he didn't do either one of those things. He just communicated with the owner of the, the restaurant where they were, had the secure place to store these crabs, and he didn't communicate with anybody else. He didn't put signs on any of them. Um, and so the next morning when he showed up at 6 a.m. to get the crabs onto the, the flight that would take them and deliver them to the, the different aquariums around um, Europe, he discovered that they weren't there anymore because he should have, if there's anybody he should have notified, it should have been the chef at the restaurant <laughs> because the chef came in and saw those crabs and he instantly saw, these are going to be great. And he made about 15 crab salads out of those six crabs. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and don't you know that uh, low-ranking employee uh, was in hot water the next morning. Um, you see, he had skipped a step or two or three. Uh, he had not put the signs out. He had not notified everybody like he was supposed to do. He had just skipped the step because he just didn't want to worry about it, didn't want to think about it. He just wanted to go on and do what he was in Paris for a night on the company's dime. And so he was just going to go out and have a good time. And so he skipped a step. Uh, and that tends to happen sometimes is we skip a step in our process, in the direction we're going. Um, we try to get there faster. We even do it mentally, right? Uh, we try to skip ahead when somebody's telling us a story to get to the end, to get there faster so we can respond faster. Uh, we skip a step in what God's laid before us sometimes. We want to get there faster. We don't want to wait. We don't want to have to endure all of the steps, and so we skip a step that seems hard or difficult or long and time-consuming, and we try to get there faster. Well, we're going to look today as we begin this Christmas series, Christmas Gifts, uh, at a guy who was in a similar process in his thinking. Uh, Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. If you're using a Bible on the pew rack there, it's on page 807. Uh, 807. And if you don't have a Bible, 
you can take that Bible home. It can be your Bible. Okay, that's a free gift. It's all yours. Take it home. Uh, we're on page 807, Matthew chapter 1. It'll also be on the screens here. Um, if you're watching online, it'll be on the screen there as well. All the notes and everything, it's on our website. You can check that out, uh, dequeen.church. Uh, Matthew chapter 1. This will be a familiar story for some of you as we look at different elements of the Christmas story over these next few weeks. We're looking at a guy named Joseph. Matthew chapter 1, uh, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now, this betrothal deal, um, it's kind of like engagement, kind of not. They would be promised to marry, uh, and then they would operate separately for a year. So say they got betrothed in December of this year. Well, the actual wedding ceremony would not be until next December. Even though legally they would be considered married, they're not. They're still living in separate houses. They're still functioning differently. But they're promised to be married, and it would take place in a year's time when they would have a huge party. They would have a, a kind of a little ceremony at the beginning, and then the party would last for something like a week. And that would be the, that would be the wedding reception. It would be a week-long party would be what they would have. It would be come and go. People from the community would come. Family would hang out the whole week and eat all the food. But it would be this big, big deal. And so this is the beginning of that. Joseph and Mary, from this little town, are betrothed to each other. And before that year's time was up, right, before they had their official ceremony and came together to live in the same house, before any of that, it says she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now, I love the way it's phrased there. She was found to be with child. You know, Mary was told by the angel that she was going to give birth to a child, and she said, well, that's impossible, and the angel said, well, no, God's going to take care of it, uh, but then Mary didn't go out and broadcast this all over the place, so, you know, telling everybody she possibly can, hey, I'm going to have God's baby, I'm going to have God's baby, she didn't do that, as I'm sure none of you would, <laughs> uh, but maybe you are that kind of person, I don't know, but Joseph, her betrothed, finds out through the grapevine, as small towns tend to do, Word gets around, Mary's pregnant, Mary's pregnant, Mary's pregnant, and it's not Joseph's baby. And word gets back to Joseph. Now everybody knows Mary's pregnant, and he finds out about it. And he's experiencing all of these emotions as she has found out, or she has been found out that she's with child, and Joseph hears about it. Verse 19, and her husband, Joseph, so he's, even though they're betrothed, he's still considered to be her husband. Because in order to separate, they have to get a divorce legally. Uh, they can't just, you know, break up. And so he's considered her husband here. Verse 19 again. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So he, he had every legal right to make this a big public trial. Put her out in the middle of the courtyard of the, the town square and shame her. According to Old Testament law, they could take her out and stone her. I mean, in this period of time, they really didn't do that anymore. Uh, but he, it could have been uh, and should have been by cultural standards uh, embarrassing for Joseph. And so he would want to retaliate back on Mary. 
and embarrass her because of how she embarrassed him and hurt her because of how she hurt him. But that's not who Joseph was. He wasn't retaliatory. It, for him, it wasn't trying to hurt her as much as possible, even though she did him great damage. He was going to divorce her, not because he wanted to. He didn't want to. But again, in the Jewish world in the first century, a, a breaking of the marriage covenant for them meant you had to get divorced. It wasn't a choice. It was a forced thing. And so Joseph said, okay, if I'm forced to do this, I'm going to do it as quiet as possible, which meant him and Mary and maybe one or two other witnesses, and that was it. He says, I'm going to do this with as few people as possible so as not to bring her shame, so as not to embarrass her, so as not to hurt her, even as I am hurt now. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but if you were Joseph, think about it, and you were hurt like this, and everybody knew about it, and then you find out about it, would you want to strike back as loud and as hard as possible to embarrass the other person, shame the other person, make them feel what you felt? because you're mad and angry and damaged. Well, that's not who Joseph was. He was kind, it would seem. So he's mulling this all over, divorce her quietly. Look at verse 20. As he considered these things, that's an important phrase we're going to look at several times this morning. He's considering all of this. He's letting it roll around in his head. He's processing. He's thinking about how it's going to play out, how he's going to tell this person, how he's going to tell that person. And he's, he's, re, he's playing the conversations out in his mind. He's playing the actions out in his mind and thinking through all of it. And, and the phrasing there, he considered these things. And behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So Joseph's mulling all of this over, but before he acts on it, before he goes to the judge and finalizes everything, an angel comes to him in a dream and says, stop it. God's doing this. You see, for Joseph, experience and the world taught Joseph that what was conceived in Mary was from men. Everything he knew about the world's processes and the way things worked was what was conceived in Mary was from men. The situation, it's uncomfortable, it's embarrassing. And what this angel's telling him, this had never been done before. This, this, the, the Holy Spirit coming and, and uh, uh, giving Mary a baby like this had never been done before. And so Joseph, he may have even heard that Mary's telling people that the baby is from God. And so for Joseph, experience tells him, yeah, no, that's not, no. God doesn't do that. God's never done that before. And because God's never done it before, he's not doing it now. You see, for jo Joseph had already concluded that God could not possibly be in this situation. He'd already made up his mind about that. That's why he was going this route to divorce her, even though he was supposed to and had to, and that was part of the law. He was not going to buck up against what other people were saying, what culture was saying, because for him, God could not possibly work this way. That's just not the way God's worked before. He's never done it like that. Of course it's not God. But you see the thing about God, as this angel comes and tells him that God's doing this, God didn't ask for Joseph's approval before setting his plan in motion. God didn't come to Joseph's house before Mary got pregnant and say, hey, 
just so you know, this is coming down the pipeline. Do you think it's a good idea? God just did it and then came to Joseph and said, hey, God's doing this thing over here. You can be a part of it or not. God's working. God's moving. You see, God didn't ask for Joseph's approval. He just asked for his participation. And if Joseph didn't participate, then Joseph would miss out and somebody else would get to be a part. But see, because God doesn't need our approval for his plan. God doesn't need my approval for his plan. God doesn't need your approval for his plan. He's going to do it. He wants you to be a part of it, yes. Absolutely. He wants you to be a part of it. That's why he put you in the middle of whatever he's doing. That's why he gave you the gifts he gave you to be a part of whatever plan he's operating there. But we can very well choose not to be a part of what God's doing. We can easily be a part, choose to not be a part of whatever God's working in our family, in the life of somebody else, in the life of our community, in the life of whatever God is operating in the life of the church. If we choose not to be a part of it, that's our choice. But he doesn't need my approval to do what he's going to do. He's God. What kind of God would he be if he needed mankind's approval to do what he's going to do? He wouldn't be God. The creator doesn't need the created's approval. We need his. And so God comes to Joseph by an angel and says to this angel, or says to Joseph, God's doing this. What is conceived in Mary is from God, not men. Verse 21. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. A couple interesting things there. I found it interesting, I never really registered in my mind, but Matthew chapter 1, the whole first part of it, it, it goes through the genealogy from King David on down, or from, actually it goes back to Abraham, from Abraham down to David, on down to Joseph, to show that uh, this, this lineage is kingly, is right, is just, and uh, it's very... Jewish. It's very Hebrew. But the name Jesus that the angel tells Joseph to name the baby. Jesus, the name is Greek. It's not Hebrew. It's not traditional. And actually in the first century it was a common name. He doesn't name him some crazy Hebrew name that nobody can pronounce. He names him Jesus which was a common name, like somebody naming somebody John in America today. You don't know any Johns, do you? And so he gives him this name, but I want to point out too, he tells Joseph, you will name him. You see, it was the husband's job to name the child. It was the husband's job, which really doesn't seem fair, right? The mom does all the work, and then the husband just stands there and then gets to name the baby. Uh, I mean, if you, go, you can go back and you can look at when John the Baptist is born. Uh, and his John the Baptist's father can't speak at that time because he had a moment of disbelief, and so he can't speak, and so they ask the mother, well, w w what does your husband want to name the baby? And she says they want to name him John, and nobody in the room believes her. Says, you don't have any family named John? Why do you want to name him John? And so they ask uh, uh, her husband, who's standing there, do you really want to name the baby John? And he kind of nods, you know, and uh, that, in that moment, then he can speak. And so it's, that's the husband's job, is to name the baby. And so the angel gives Joseph this assignment. 
the baby's coming, Joseph. God wants you to be there, to participate in it, and to give the baby a name, Jesus. That's what God wants you to do. Because Jesus means Savior. Jesus means Savior. It comes to mean the Lord will save. But at its base root, it means he will save. He's a deliverer. He will rescue the people. That's why it says, uh, you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. It's a prophecy from Old Testament scripture uh, speaking about this very moment. And I love that name, Emmanuel, God with us. Now, obviously, they call him Jesus. They call him Emmanuel. It's, 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 uh, that name is a descriptor of who he was who he is, God with us. Uh, Verse 24. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took his wife. But he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So, Joseph woke from sleep, and he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife. Now, remember what I said. The betrothal period was a year. And so what this seems to imply is that Joseph didn't wait a year. He was actually expecting a divorce, and instead he had a wedding. Didn't wait a year. He obeyed immediately and immediately did the wedding and immediately brought Mary in. He didn't wait. He said, God has something. I'm going to do it. This is, we don't know a whole lot about Joseph. We, don't know, we, we get this interaction. We find out at another period of time, Uh, when they were raising Jesus, they went to Jerusalem uh, for a festival and they left, actually left Jesus behind for three days and they went back and found him. And then we don't hear about Joseph again. We believe later on he had died at some point because the care of Mary was Jesus' responsibility. We find that out in John. And so sometime between here and there, Joseph dies. And so we really don't know a whole lot about Joseph. But something we do know about Joseph When God says do something, he's going to do it. Even if it's embarrassing, even if everyone in his small town looks at him funny, even if nobody believes him, he's going to follow God. No matter his reputation, whatever might happen, he's going to follow God. So Joseph not only breaks what would be the law in not divorcing Mary, as the law should force him to do, He doesn't wait the year, and and he breaks cultural standards and marries her immediately and brings her into the house. But he doesn't sleep with her until she's given birth to a son. See, Joseph followed God. Joseph listened. Joseph immediately obeyed because the Lord's instruction to him was more important than people's perception. Joseph chose to take the next step that the Lord showed him. He chose to take that step rather than skip the step, which honestly, he almost did skip the step, right? Look back at verse 20. He considered these things, divorcing her. He considered these things, and behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So Joseph was about to take a step that skipped, was going to skip right over what God had intended. 
he was going to take a step that was going to skip over everything that God had planned. His consideration, his conclusions led him to assume that the situation that was right in front of him was man-made rather than an opportunity from the Lord. That was his conclusion. That was where he had jumped to. He had assumed that it was from man and not God. But that's what assumption does, though. Assumption skips a step. Assumption always skips a step. It, it all, we, we, now, assumption is hardwired into us as human beings. We, we assume about all kinds of things. We hear, you know, 10% of a story and we assume the other 90%. We do it in all aspects of our life. We do it just in observation of other people's lives. We, we, we see a brief glimpse, and so we assume all kinds of things. We, we see a brief glimpse on social media, so we assume all kinds of things about them. We see them make three decisions, and so we assume 97 other decisions. We see how they act, how they interact, how they respond, and so we assume all kinds of things about what they're thinking. We assume all kinds of things about how they were raised. We assume all kinds of things that led them to that point, but we don't really know. And what ends up happening with those assumptions is we have skipped the whole process of getting to know that person or that situation or the whole process of praying for that person in that situation. And we skip a step. Assumption skips a step. But what, what, what step does it skip? Here, assumption skips the step of faith. Assumption skips faith. In order to get to the conclusion faster. Joseph did not have faith to think what, what is within Mary is from God. To him, experience taught him it can't be. And so he relied on that rather than faith, rather than what God had in the moment. Assumptions skipped the faith. But a journey without faith, even, even a mental journey, uh, it may be faster sometimes, but it always leads to a dead end. When we start making assumptions about situations, about what we are presented with, with, with our situation and our circumstance, and we make an assumption about that and we make a decision based on an assumption, we end up at a place God never intended for us to be. And being there is a place without faith. We may pretend we have faith and act like we have faith, but really we're trying to control the entire situation and keep it all within our grasp and not trust that God knows what he's doing better than we do. And so we assume all kinds of things. And assumption always gets us in trouble, always, in one way or another. Whether it leads us to a dead end or it does great damage to a relationship because we assume something about the other person or about something that is said or not said or not done or done. And we make assumptions and it does damage because we're assuming rather than talking in peace. And we make all these assumptions skipping faith. Joseph's assumption. Remember, he's considering these things. He, 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 his assumption is what has happened to Mary by the hand of God is from man and not God. And so his assumption almost makes Joseph miss the blessing he was going to experience. Imagine being in the same house with Jesus, helping raise Jesus. I mean, talk about difficulty. Uh, you know, your creator is the very one you're, you know, feeding peas to. But at the same time, the immense blessing it would be to have Jesus in your house for all of those years. And he almost missed it because he assumed what was in Mary was from men. 
his assumption was about to lead him to a decision that would remove the opportunity for blessing he was going to have. You see, we have to be careful not to assume ourselves right out of God's best. We have to be very careful not to assume ourselves right out of God's best for our lives, God's best for our relationships, God's best for our decisions, God's best plan for our lives because we make an assumption about something, a situation, a person, a circumstance, and we think God cannot be in that. And we act on our assumption leading us away from what God had for us the whole time. Imagine if Joseph had acted on his assumption, had divorced Mary, he would have missed out on one of the greatest blessings in all of history because he would have acted on an assumption and missed it. Think about your own life. If you could go back and undo some assumptions you've made, or maybe there's some assumptions you've made you don't even realize that you made, but the blessings you potentially have missed because of assumptions. Or maybe there's something coming down the line that's going to hit you tomorrow, and you have to decide ahead of time not to make an assumption because the greatest blessing in your life may be about to hit you. But if you make an assumption and act on that assumption, you may miss it completely. Just like Joseph almost did. He almost missed it. And yet, even though Joseph was considering those things, even though Joseph was making an assumption about Mary and about God, and about to act on those assumptions, God still chose to intervene. God still chose to involve Joseph. God still showed up and said, hey, Joseph, hang on. (laughs) You got some bad thinking going on. You need to back up, and what you are assuming is from man is really from me. What is conceived in Mary is from the Holy Spirit. How many times, don't raise your hand, have we observed somebody else who say they're working in the name of the Lord, but we assume they're working in the name of themselves because we don't understand it, or it's weird, or makes us uncomfortable to be around that type of deal. But in reality, what is conceived in them is from the Holy Spirit. Or how many times have we walked with somebody because of what our experience has told us and our cleverness and and our, our cultural history has told us and we've walked with someone and sided with someone because we assumed that they were acting on behalf of the Holy Spirit when in reality what was conceived in them was not from the Holy Spirit. You like uncomfortable silences? We have to listen for the Lord and follow the Lord. Because, I hate to break it to you, you are human. And you can't fathom all that the Lord is doing. He's doing stuff in other people that he's not doing in you. And he's doing stuff in you that he's not doing in other people. And again, I don't know how you operate. But I got enough going on to try to understand what God's doing in me than to assume what God's doing in somebody else. And then assuming about them, I'm missing what he's doing in me. If you have to assume anything, because we're naturally wired to assume things, always assume the best in somebody else. 
Always assume the best. Don't instantly assume that they're out to get you. Don't instantly assume that they have malicious intent. Don't instantly assume that they're just terrible, bad people. Assume the best. I mean, if Joseph in this circumstance had assumed the best, then he would have, it would, he would have come to the conclusion in his considerations that it was God working in Mary. And he never would have gotten to this point. He never would have had to have an intervention from an angel because he would have already acted and said, well, God is obviously working. God's doing something here. Instead of making his assumption and his decision based upon that. But he did make his assumption. He was about to act on it. God still came to him. And so wherever you find yourself in the midst of making a decision or an assumption, God can still use you and still come to you and still wants to have you be a part of his plan. Participate in his plan. And whatever it might be. I mean, the fact that you're still here means he's still got something for you to do. You just have to participate in what he's doing. And so you've got to ask yourself, where does God want to involve me? Where does God want me involved? What does God have for me to accomplish? What does God have for me to do? What is the step of faith that I need to take today and not skip? What is the step of faith I need to take and not assume my way out of? That circumstance, because I feel like it's going to take too long, or because I have to, you know, work with so-and-so in the midst of doing what God has for me to do. I have to release control and allow him to take it. What is the step of faith God has for you? And then, will you stop skipping the step of faith? Will you stop trying to weasel your way out of it? Will you stop trying to assume your way out of what God has for you? Assume that God knows is the best for you. Will you stop assuming negative and bad and hateful situations that skip the process that God has placed you on and spend your time dedicated, invested in what God has for you now in the next step and follow his direction here and now and what he has for you in this moment. Because God will come and he will give you direction. God will give you direction, whether from an internal sense from his Holy Spirit, maybe an audible voice, or maybe directly from his word. He spoke to you a whole lot of words right here. If you spend time in it, he will speak to you. What is the word he is speaking to you? And if he hasn't spoken something new to you, don't assume that you know what it is. Well, I haven't really heard God's voice, but it must be this because it makes the most sense. Well, I don't know if you learned anything from this Joseph Mary situation. God's working doesn't always make sense, right? Actually, most of my experience, the big step of faith that God would have us do makes zero sense to our human minds. If we were to make up, Katie and I were talking about this at lunch yesterday, our pro and con list about whatever the situation may be, the way God would go is not necessarily the way we would go. As God told the prophet Samuel, man looks at the outward appearance, the Lord looks at the heart. Man looks at judges and ways and measures the situation as they can see it, but God has different perspective and can see things we can't see, and can fathom the things that we can never understand and process. And so we have to trust him and follow his guidance and his directions and stop assuming we know better than him. Even if we won't verbally say, I know better than God, 
I don't know anybody who would say that. I mean, I'm sure there's people who do. But sometimes we act like it. We talk like it. We think like we know better than God. Well, if I were in charge, I would have done it this way. We think we know better than God in his organization of our own personal lives. But if we follow him through it, we will find strength and peace in a way we never thought possible. We will find, quite possibly, as Joseph did, the greatest blessing of our lives in the midst of something that we were trying to get out of. Will you follow the Lord today? Will you listen to him in whatever he's saying to you today? Maybe today what he's saying to you is you need to follow me and believe in Jesus. You need to stop assuming that you're good enough to get into heaven because you're not. And you need to believe in Jesus, that he died and rose from the dead. So all your sins would be forgiven. And you can live with him forever in heaven. You need to believe in him today. And follow him and listen to him. And, and, and allow him to have complete control in your life. So whatever your decision today may be, whether it's believing in Jesus whether it is releasing control and allowing him to have it, whether it's backing up a little bit and that step that you skipped of faith yesterday because you made an assumption and you say, yeah, okay, I need to go back and undo that thing that I did yesterday because I was acting on bad information based upon my own experience and my own thoughts and not based on the Lord. And you need to wait on him however long it takes in that step that he's got you in right now. Don't act until he tells you to act. But the moment he tells you to act, you need to do like Joseph. See, when, God, when the Lord told Joseph through this angel, you need to take Mary as your wife, Joseph didn't say, okay, at the end of the betrothal period, I'll take her as my wife. No, he went out immediately the next day. We're doing this thing now. And so the moment the Lord says act, you act then. Even if it's weird, even if it's against the cultural norm, you do it immediately without hesitation or waiting. But you wait until he says move, and then when he says move, you move. You jump. You don't wait for him to tell you how high. You just go. So where are you in the process? You need to follow the Lord today, believing in Jesus. You need to stop assuming. You need to go apologize to somebody because of some assumption you made this morning on the way to church. You need to listen to the Lord and act on what he tells you to do. Will you act today? What's going to happen here? is I'm going to pray for us. And whether you're in the room or you're watching online, and if you need to make a decision today, I want you to make that decision. If you need to believe in Jesus, that's, that is the big decision. That is the most important decision you'll make in all your life. Believing in Jesus. You can make it today. You can, I'll be standing right down here. I'd love to talk to you. If you're watching online, or even if you're in the room, you don't want to walk down the green carpet, uh, on our website, thequeen.church, at the, uh, right at the top, the, I think the second card on the top of our website says, I made a decision. If you click on that and you just fill that out, your name, a phone number, and what your decision was. And that'll send an email to me. As soon as you hit submit, it'll come right to my email, my phone. And I'll call you today and uh, celebrate with you and pray with you and, and show you what the next step is in that process after you believe. So you need to believe. You need to, uh, uh, you want to be baptized. 
Now show the world you belong to Jesus. You want to put your life in this church and what God is doing here. Maybe there's a name of a person that God has put on your heart that maybe your assumptions and decisions have done some damage and you need to come down here and pray for that situation. Maybe you need to step out and call that person. Maybe you need to come and pray for yourself and listening to the Lord. Then you come and do that. See, what I'm going to pray and as soon as I say amen... That is your cue to do whatever the Lord's put on your heart. Whether it's come make a decision, whether it's come and pray. But that's your cue to follow the Lord in whatever capacity that means.